I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are The, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of The Gibson Review. In this episode is our film phase episode. We will be counting down our 12 favorite movies that we're nostalgic for. Film phase, in case you're not familiar is a segment that was inspired by a feature that used to be on the blog wherein we count down our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. The idea is not only to give you a sense of our taste in film, but hopefully expose you to some titles you have not heard of before or at the very least haven't seen. To that end, we do let you know when our titles on our list are available to stream on a streaming service. We include, and point two, you know, movies that are available on Amazon Prime, Hulu, Disney Plus, Netflix, and HBO Max. Am I forgetting any? I think that's all of them. Um, we recently took Apple away from our qualifier because I yeah. guess you're watching something that was created by Apple. It's you're going to have to rent it. So right. if it's ever not available, it's likely available on Amazon. For right. like four dollars, right? Typically, yeah, I'm not really sure why we even included Apple TV Plus in the first place because you're right, they are a renting service, their subscription service. When it comes to content, it's it's never like movies that were in theaters being released to Apple TV Plus. It's usually just their own original content. So that stuff will never be on a film faves because we only focus on films that are theatrically released in our film faves. So uh, as far as that goes, that's that. So you will hear us note one of those streaming services when a film is available on that streaming service. Nostalgia. Nostalgia is our topic for this episode. Now, originally, it was going to be movies that are nostalgic. So movies that have a nostalgic feel to them, to a particular time period, a place, uh, a thing. Maybe they're nostalgic for baseball. Maybe they're nostalgic for old, for classic uh, TV, whatever it is. And that ended up being a bit too much of a challenge. I mean, Shanna, you had a hard time coming up with movies that would create that list for yourself, yeah? I think our, our time frame was too short. Mm. So maybe later we can tackle this subject again. But for now, it was easier to come up with something that we are personally nostalgic for. Well, yeah. We So first of all, to be fair, you had almost a month to prepare for this list. But I think ultimately... I'm running a fairly successful small business that just had a really good month. <laughs> So yeah. I don't care if you tell me you had a month to prepare. I had a month of very big work hours, okay? Well, and, and, and also on the other side, I have a work schedule that can take up to 10 hours a day. So, you know, we've gone through some changes. That's why we made changes to the podcast where Film Phase is now its own effort, separate episode. We'll talk about future changes coming at the end of this episode but yes yeah, so we pivoted to movies that we feel nostalgia for now shanna movies that you feel nostalgic for was this an easier pivot for you it was easier until we started talking about how we were going to set up parameters and expectations of this list but after looking up, you know, beyond define nostalgia, rather looking at what makes a person nostalgic was a better way to approach it. So you had a, a challenge really nailing down and even thinking about like what nostalgia is and how that applies and all that sort of stuff. Within this frame. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about you? So I, I don't have any challenges with the understanding of nostalgia and stuff. Because it's something that I have definitely felt, but he, but I felt it mostly in my twenties and early thirties. I realized that rewatching movies of the past mm. that I grew up with, mm -hmm. for some reason, in my late thirties and early forties, I'm not feeling, I'm not having feelings of nostalgia anymore. And that was my challenge with this list: was trying to really recall what movies I had that feeling with 
from the past. Now, I will say that when it, when you're looking at my list, it'll almost look like a favorites favorite movies of the 80s kind of list because almost every single movie except for one that's in the 60s uh, ended up being from the 80s. I even tried including movies from the 90s and none of them ended up slipping into my 12 favorite movies list. Mine's a little bit of everything. Uh, and by everything, I mean a little bit of the 80s, 90s, uh, with a couple sprinkled you know on either end of that mm-hmm. yeah because that's a thing like when you're thinking about nostalgia you're nostalgic for something from the past right these aren't movies that you just saw a couple years ago right you're not gonna be nostalgic oh remember when <laughs> three years ago well, I don't know. you know what i mean like well that... i'm gonna push back on that a little bit like i think what you have to remember is we're movie lovers and both of us love movies and sometimes there can be a movie that will spark a particular time in your life like for me there is one Mm. from a few years ago Mm, because we had like every time i watch that then i'm taken back in time to what our life was like then Mm. so we'll hear more about that a little bit later i'm sure but generally when people talk about things that they're nostalgic for they're they're nostalgic for things that they saw in, in their adolescence so as such, this is a subject that couldn't be more subject- subjective, right? Like, when you're talking about favorite movies in general, it's a subjective matter. But when you're talking about nostalgic movies, that is so completely subjective. It's it's going to be completely different for every person. And quality is not necessarily going to be no. in, in any way a factor in <laughs> no, this, not right? Really. So... Uh, so bear that in mind, and uh, you definitely will probably come across some uh, interesting picks along here, and possibly, definite, well, more than likely, some that you haven't seen. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we get started? No, I, I think that, I think you're right. It's, it's a very subjective list, and one issue that I'm running into here is that Maybe four movies aren't going to be on this list because they're in the favorites list. Oh, oh well, so yeah, in, there's that. They're in the vault. <laughs> yeah. Know? In case so. uh, you don't know what she's referring to, in episode 95 of The Movie Lovers... Jeff decided well, 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 to be weird. No, it's not weird. <laughs> it was it was something that we were heading towards since we, we used to go backwards through time, counting down our favorite movies of each year. And one of the things that I was going to head to is eventually us figuring out what our all-time favorite uh, movies are, which I think is a very valid, worthwhile exercise to have. But after that, it made sense that those movies should uh, be, as Shanna said, put in a vault. They should never appear on any other list in the future because, of course, they're going to top any list that they apply to. So... That, that is another one for me. I didn't end up having any that was on my episode 95 list that showed up, but there's definitely one thing I did was I posted my, I published my 100 favorite movies of all time after sometime after that episode. And we, most of my list does come from that. So with all that said, Shanna, why don't you get us started with your 12th favorite nostalgia movie? My number 12 is from 1997. It is Anastasia. The last surviving child of the Russian royal family joins two con men to reunite her with her grandmother, the Dowager Empress. So I am... This brings up nostalgic feelings because it, it reminds me of a very specific period of time in my childhood where it was kind of that moment of okay are you are you going to play with barbie dolls or are you going to move on mm. uh specifically i was playing with anastasia dolls and it's just it was the first movie that i watched three times in the cinema and oh wow that's the a lot music meant a lot to me mm. and when it's also like a breaking of childhood in that here I am watching something that had real people in it, 
but a very different outcome. Mm. Oh, but, yes, very different. Least. You know, she's the daughter of the uh, one of the daughters of the SARS, and you know, in reality, she died. Yeah, when you say real people, and you're talking about historical figures that exist. Yeah. yeah. So here I am thinking, oh, this is a wonderful story. There's a bit of tragedy, but everything works out in the end. And then I go do, you know, it was the age of internet, so I could go look up mm-hmm. what what actually happened. Did you think that that movie depicted what actually happened? <laughs> Minus the musical part, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Minus the, the Rasputin doing his thing. Like I figured, oh, they're, they're just being funny. Wow. They're just, you know, making us engaged. But it was very destructive for me, but I was very obsessed with it too mm, at the mm. same time. So it's definitely a, oh, you're no longer a child because you're learning all these, what tragically happened in reality. Mm. Um, and you're realizing that not all movies are as they are. So, Huh, interesting. All right. Uh, my 12th favorite nostalgic movie is from 1986 Iron Eagle, available on HBO Max. Uh, This movie was... It definitely played a role in my childhood. I remember this being a movie that was watched a lot when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. It was a movie that we had the soundtrack to on vinyl and played in the house Mm -hmm. a lot. And, you know, hearing the song, hearing the theme song, Iron Eagle... Uh, which is playing in my head right now. Never Say Die, Iron Eagle, I should say, is what it's called. And just, I, it just uh, is a movie that I think purely exists on any favorites list of mine because of nostalgia, because of its place in my childhood uh, growing up, because it was a favorite movie of the families, one of many. You know, I is not a movie that I picked up on as an adult and thought was a quality film or anything like yeah. that. It is purely a personal favorite uh, from a particular time in my life. So that's Iron Eagle from 1986, starring Lewis Gossett Jr. And oh, I just forgot the uh, lead star's name, but uh, that is my twelfth favorite nostalgia film. Jason Gedrick. Jason Gedrick was his name. All right, Shanna, back to you. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that we're talking about very specific memories at specific times. But there are some movies where, like, it's nostalgic for several reasons, like several periods of time. Mm. And one great example of that is Mary Poppins from 1964, a movie about a nanny that comes to save a a family. Uh And the way that you interpret this film is different as you grow older. And of course, when I was younger, it was all about the music, right? So it makes Mm. me think of oh, we can have a good time cleaning our room that we so badly messed up and Mm -hmm, (laughs) things mm -hmm. like that. And then as you get older, you start to realize, oh, she's a really good nanny. And then as you get older, you start to realize, oh, she's saving the family. She's and not necessarily the kids. She's Uh saving the dad, helping him remember that he's a dad and how to do that. And So it makes me nostalgic for several different time periods in my Mm. life as a kid, uh, as a young adult, you know, now. It's just something that that has, it's an onion. It has layers of nostalgia. You know, my mom grew up with it as well. She watched it when she was younger. And I think uh, when you have like multi-generational people coming together and getting nostalgic for a movie like that, I think it just shows the power of that film. Huh. And it's available on Disney Plus. Oh, of course. So that's exciting. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. My twelfth favorite, my eleventh favorite. Sorry, I misspoke. Is also on Disney Plus. It is from 1987. It is Adventures in Babysitting, mm. starring Elizabeth Shue and Keith Coogan and a few others. It is about a a teenager who gets stuck having to babysit kids. Uh, like two kids I think one is actually not that far from her age and has a crush on her and has to take them to the city Chicago in order to help one of her friends 
while babysitting and adventures ensue as the title suggests definitely pays off on that uh, this was a, also a, fam- a family favorite at the time it was by touchstone pictures i believe not not walt disney pictures so it was a little edgier but yeah i mean it had like a, a playboy was a main plot point uh in our plot device in the movie you know so this was definitely edgier i That's, was uh, quite special there. Yeah, yeah. I was a, a seven at the time when it came out, or when I probably eventually saw it. It became a family favorite. I remember the VHS specifically uh, growing up and having that. And and uh, actually, now that I think about it, this was one of the first movies where I, I can specifically recall connecting the dots of act uh, of an actress between movies i i specifically remember figuring out that the actress who was in adventures in babysitting um, eventually was recast as jennifer in back to the future part two. Oh, okay i distinctly remember that and being also confused like wait was she in <laughs> the first back no she was i think that was a different one you know i, I as a as a kid i distinctly remember that but anyway this movie was a, a you know don't fuck with the babysitter was a was a beloved line in our household i like that line <laughs> I want that on a shirt. So Adventures in Babysitting, available on Disney Plus from 1987. For me, number 11 is Mean Girls from 2004. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we've got Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, Tina Fey. Uh, Lindsay Lohan is Katie, who has lived mm, her whole life in Kenya and... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In rural areas, it yeah. would seem homeschooled and, yeah. and homeschooled, and probably schooled with you know whoever she was with in the village, and then she moves to America and she's in the city and she has to go to public school, and it's this massive adjustment, mm-hmm. not only culturally but yeah. also like socially. Yep, and it's it's not saying that homeschooling's awful. It's just saying. <laughs> It's more saying like, hey, you were in a completely different culture. He has a new culture. And high school is in itself uh, a particular kind of culture. Uh-huh. And I get nostalgic for this because it reminds me of the good parts of high school. And there are very few. Mm. And it also reminds me of like of when I went and saw it in the cinema. We went with like six or eight different people Mm. and we all thought it was hilarious because we were talking afterwards about well what if us as south africans went to america Uh to experience school there even though we have our own you know culture in high school in south africa that's very similar what would how would it be different Mm -hmm. and you know we all got a chuckle out of that and we we as white people would never go and actually say Molweni to people, to African-Americans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just when we see that scene when Katie sees, you know, the black people Uh at the table all together, the cool black people, and she says, Jumbo. And they're all like, I beg your fucking pardon. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, in in our reality, we were like, we would never do that because Mm. that would just be a bad idea. Mm. Um, So it was, and probably not people from Kenya. So you know, or whatever, right, right, right. whatever culture. So I'm nostalgic for that at times. I watch it essentially every birthday. Mm. And uh, I love that film. Mm. Very good. So that's Mean Girls from 2004. So you were like 17 uh, when that I think came I was out. actually 16. Okay, not yet 17. Yeah. Okay. So my 10th favorite is from 1986. Once again, it is Stand By Me. By Rob well, Reiner. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, a movie that I absolutely love. And it itself is nostalgic. If I were mm-hmm. to have made a list about nostalgic movies, this would definitely have been one of them because it's nostalgic for a particular time, a particular type of childhood, uh, and a particular age as well. And, and the kind of friends you have at that particular age in that particular time. But... Uh, you know, I, I think in a way it, it, it qualifies for this kind of list because uh, it, it, when I saw it, it was very much about, 
being kids of a, of a of a particular age that I think I was when I saw it. I think I saw it in my preteen era. Mm. And you know, it reflects very much on the kind of friends that you have at that time. And for me, I was in flux when it came to groups of friends in my middle school years, but it made me think about the kind of friends I had in my in my grade school years and, and stuff. And so uh, there is that element to it, but it's also a great film that I still love to this day. That is Stand By Me, about a group of 12-year-olds who decide to go off and try to find a dead body and reap the rewards of having found this missing kid. The rewards. That's Stand By Me, my 10th favorite nostalgic film. All right, my next one is Space Jam from 1996. Mm. Yeah, this is a big one for you. <laughs> yes, you were nine-ish th- when this came yeah, out. Yeah, I think you were a little, I think you, no, you weren't a little. You were totally weirded out when we watched this before the new one came out. I mean, it was interesting to watch 20 years later or so, but no, it wasn't No, I mean good. with how I was reacting to the film oh. specifically. It was fascinating. Okay, there you go. Yeah. It was weird. So uh, this is a, you know, you were speaking about quality um, and how it's not necessarily quality. Right, in, yeah. In yeah. this list. Good but example, yeah. This ranks high on the nostalgia because it, it's it, its nostalgia factor is greater uh, mm-hmm. than the other films mentioned. It is a really messed up story. The best way to describe this is it's the Looney Tunes looking for basketball players and they go to Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and they say, please help us. We have to save uh, Toontown, basically, against an alien. Yeah, an alien. Alien, in, alien yeah. invaders that are trying to, you know. Imprison them or something. Yeah, yeah. imprison them. Enslave them. And I think... The best part of this is like, okay, I grew up with Roger Rabbit. And so I love the concept of cartoons mixing with live action. Uh-huh. And so when this happened, I was very excited about that because, and it was a bunny as well. It was Bugs Bunny. So I was like, hey, it's great. Uh-huh. It's very similar. And so uh, the soundtrack is really what gets me because I remember going to the movie and it was a very packed cinema screening Mm. and there were just so many kids. There were white kids, black kids, Indian kids. Everyone was there to see this film and it was really quite magical. Mm. You know, apartheid Nelson Mandela had been president for, I think three years, two or three years at that point. Uh So it felt like things were changing and everything was becoming more inclusive. And so, we got the soundtrack straight after that and we would all be blasting it in mm. the in the car so that's my my number 9 my number 10 mm. a, a movie that people my age are even nostalgic for too so you're not you're not alone uh, for in, in that in that case well and every time i see someone wearing a space jam shirt i'm like i love your shirt <laughs> so yeah my ninth favorite, moving on along here, is E.T. from 1982. That's The Extraterrestrial by Steven Spielberg. A movie that we not long ago watched for the first time in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Which is really great because I never saw it in theaters because I was like one year old when well, now, it came out. Is that film going to have multi- nostalgia levels for you no because again i'm having a hard time feeling nostalgia these days for whatever reason but you must be very happy with your life right now i don't know if that's what it means don't look at me like that Uh, but this movie was a huge part of early 80s culture and thus a huge part of my childhood in the the you know first few years of my childhood when i became much more cognizant right in my development you know because i do i do remember the reese's pieces ads Mm. i remember seeing those in print by the way not just like tv ads i remember print ads and coming across print ads later on too Mm. and there were novelizations there were books 
that took place after the movie that followed E.T. And so, yeah, and then there's general feelings, too, that come with the film. So, yeah, and it's a great film. We are also entering my list of favorite movies of all time here. You can find that on the blog, thegibsonreview.com. But this definitely qualifies. And it was a big part of any 80s kid's childhood. That's E.T., The Extraterrestrial from 1982. My next one is A Christmas Story from 1983, available on HBO. This is an example of, hey, I was recent, like in the last 10 years, was exposed to this film. And it's already got nostalgia attached to it. Christmas is a really magical time. And... And it's a movie also, like Stand By Me, that is nostalgic, It is too. nostalgic of a particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and time period of, 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 like, in terms of how old you are, an age, and a feeling you have during Christmas. Yeah, and it's a particular time in America. It's small, small town. Everyone knows each other. Like a um, suburb. Yeah, and, you know, everyone's avoiding the school bully on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really about Christmas and imagination, imaginative scenarios that you play in your head. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's brilliant, but I'm nostalgic, you know, for some of those things that I've just mentioned. But really, it reminds me of, you know, when we were trying to make Christmas our own, you and me. Mm. And I had asked, hey, can whatever we do, I don't care. Can we just can we have a fort? <laughs> so speaking of childhood, I'm like, please, can you just make a fort? And can we sleep in the fort by the TV in the living room? Mm-hmm. And that's what... You know, I was sick, so I didn't come home uh, that night. But the following night, I came home, and you did it. You made a fort, and I didn't know you were actually going to do it. I thought you were just, like, listening to me and, you know, just being like, well, I hope she gets this out of her system before she gets home. (laughs) And you did it, and we sat in the – we lay in this fort, and we watched A Christmas Story. It was my first time – first or second time watching it, and it was just – it was magical. Mm. I got to be a kid again with you. Mm. So Excellent. that's a, a Christmas story, and it is actually available on HBO. HBO Max, right? Yeah. Excellent. My eighth favorite goes back to 1984. Among a few picks you'll hear shortly here, it is The NeverEnding Story, available mm-hmm. on HBO Max, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who recently passed away, apparently. It is easily my favorite Wolfgang Peterson film. So, okay, it's it can be hard in an in an age when you have the Harry Potter series and Game of Thrones and all the like. It can be hard to remember that there was a time when fantasy filmmaking was not great. Mm-hmm. That really the French the the the, the genre. There was very limited in what it was able to do, and thus what did come out mostly wasn't good. Mm-hmm. The never-ending story was fantasy film for every 80s kid. This is a film that's about a boy who who's bullied, who escapes into a book, mm-hmm. and discovers that book may be about a realm that actually exists. And he may actually play a part in its survival. And in that realm, you have a warrior who is off on a journey to, to try to stop this all-consuming nothingness mm-hmm. that is destroying the, the, the realm of oh, Eternia. It almost escaped my mind, Eternia. And you have rock monsters, you have flying dog dragons, you have all (laughs) sorts of things in this film. And it is awesome. And I love it. It is my eighth favorite nostalgia film. It's available on HBO Max, The NeverEnding Story. My number seven is from 1955, available on Disney+. Plus. Huh. Look at me. I'm going to the 50s. Yeah. What is this? <laughs> it's Lady and the Tramp, oh, obviously. Oh, 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 And this is a story between two dogs from different sides of the track. Mm. And it's their, it's a romantic story and uh, all about change. 
like what happens when your your human family has a baby mm. and so there's uncertainty there and also like well what happens if a human family member comes and looks after you and you don't know them and she brings her cats so what what will happen mm. this movie was the first movie that played on the Disney Channel when the Disney Channel came to South Africa oh I think I was uh, 19 or 20 whoa yeah and Crazy. it took a long time but but we got VHS tapes of the Disney Channel like we would get these combos you would have like a Mickey Mouse Club episode a Winnie the Pooh episode uh, and not like Winnie the Pooh like cartoon like Winnie the Pooh were dressed up as the characters oh like and we would get a couple so it would be these combo things and that was the closest we ever got to the Disney channel so when it came it was very exciting and I thought oh my god my childhood has ended because I'm 20 but then this happened and I was like oh I'm reliving my childhood and every time I watch this film I just think of how wonderful it is that we have our own lady and it just makes me nostalgic for all the times that all the puppies I've ever had like came home and it makes me really choked up and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just it's one of the best films and it represents a whole year you know, from Christmas to Christmas. And oh, oh, I oh. Just, it takes place in... Okay, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just... I absolutely love it. Excellent. So that's Lady and the Tramp, available on Disney+. Plus. My seventh favorite is The Karate Kid from 1984. Another film, also from 1984, that was a big part of any 80s kid's uh, childhood uh, growing up. This is also one of the most quotable movies of that time period, too. You know, the wax on, wax off, mm-hmm. um, and, and and so many others were, were quoted from that film at the time. It was a big part of the culture. The theme, the score was a big, big deal. Yeah, I, I remember I remember also the VHS of this one. It opened from the side. Uh, yeah. It actually had a flap that you pulled open, and it opened from the side. I remember that distinctly. And with the image on the front of Danny uh, on on the little uh, post on the beach and balancing on one foot, uh, practicing the the uh, crane kick. Anyway, you know this is a movie, another movie about someone who's being bullied. Bully, bullying was a big common thing in the eighties, apparently, in terms of uh, films. This is like what the third or fourth one we've mentioned well, that had bullying. Well, how they're how they're gonna tackle it. It was well, a big theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, love the film Karate Kid, one of my favorite movies of all time, and definitely a film that was a big part of my childhood. Watched it several times growing up. That is my seventh favorite nostalgia film. All right, Shanna, we're at the halfway mark. Our sixth favorite films, favorite nostalgia films. What is yours? Well, my number six is The Fifth Element from 1997. Interesting. Yeah. So this is a sci-fi movie that I I quote to you occasionally. The stars Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, Gary Oldman, Ian Holm, Chris Tucker. There are so many people in this film. And basically they're trying to save the universe. Um, and they're racing against a clock. It is one of the funniest sci-fi action-packed films. Chris Tucker is flamboyant and hilarious. Mm. Uh, Bruce Willis is his usual self. But I don't know. He's super hot in this one. He's just mm. like super caring. And I like that he's this cab driver. But he's also ex-military. And so he's mm-hmm. got like... He keeps his anger under control until mm. it's like... Anyway... The reason I'm nostalgic for this film is it was kind of teetering on that, well, my childhood's ending, you know, what am I getting into? I got into this, no, I didn't get into this film when it came out. Oh, I was going to say, you were like 10-ish when it came out. (laughs) Like, your childhood is ending? (laughs) 10-ish? Yeah. (laughs) But I watched it when I was 15. Oh, 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 okay. And... I thought it was one of the most amazing films and I couldn't believe that I missed out on it. And I guess it would have played differently if I watched it when it came out. Mm. But I had, I remember vividly experiencing that by myself 
you know, being the one to pick the movie out of the movie store, the video store, mm-hmm. and going home and watching it and being amazed. And then hearing high school acquaintances talking about how amazing the fifth element was. And I never used to talk to these people, but mm-hmm. uh, when I heard them talk about that, then I actually started talking to them. And that was like our one conversation that we had mm. our whole high school career. Mm. And we were in the same grade. And so that person obviously thought that that was a brilliant conversation and that we were best friends because years later she was like, can you photograph our wedding for free? So <laughs> she came out. You gotcha. Yeah, that did not happen because I deserve to be paid. I'm just nostalgic for like little moments like that and self-discovering things for yourself. Mm, Very cool. So that is the fifth element. My sixth favorite is from 1986. Once again, the third film, I think, from that year. It is an American tale. My favorite Don Bluth movie, perhaps the best Don Bluth movie, I don't know, but this was a big part of childhood as well. As an 80s kid, it was one that I think would occasionally be shown in class. And oh, really? That's I think, cool. I think so. You know, everyone, there were certain things that sometimes would be put on by the teachers for whatever reason. And I think this was one of them. Also, remember the VHS of this film had the. Did I have the soundtrack? I think I have the soundtrack on cassette. And the song Somewhere Out There was a big radio hit. So that was everywhere. I had a Fievel uh, stuffy. A bit, it was kind of big, actually, for it being a mouse. It was, it was oh, probably half my size. And, yeah, it was like there was books that would, you know, like those children books that would basically tell parts of the movie. Yeah, it's like the, what is it called? The theatrical book release yeah it's not the novelization but it's like it's books it's like picture books they'll like tell parts of the movie you know Mm -hmm. and they'll like have them split into different yeah that's shanna's showing me a picture of the five i had and that's it but um yeah there's more and anyway big part of my childhood american tale was it really filled a void that was felt largely by the the void that Disney left in the 80s with mm. its really poor output it had up until the late 80s. So, uh, yeah, I, I, that, that is definitely a movie I have felt nostalgia for in the past. American Tale from 1986, my sixth favorite nostalgia, nostalgia film. All right, Shan, what's your fifth? My number five is from 1993, available on HBO. It's Jurassic Park. Mm. I love this film so much. It was one of the first live action films that I liked. My, I distinctly remember my mom coming home with this VHS tape mm. with this perfect logo instead of like a poster of all the characters. Yeah, It was one of the first posters like that that i i had ever seen mm-hmm. I, I remember like, that vhs too well and it was so bold too uh-huh. right yeah. it's just this perfect there's a logo yeah this perfect logo <laughs> somebody i hope somebody got paid a lot for that logo because it was it's just it's so perfect mm. anyway and so i think i was seven maybe or six when my mom came home with that okay yeah well it came out when you were six the film did Okay, so it makes sense that she would come home when I was seven with that So a whole year later. Yeah, uh, which it was typical. I don't know what it was like here. And we put it in, and of course, the first few minutes of the film is terrifying because they're feeding raptors. And it it goes a little... They're not feeding raptors. They're trying to transport a raptor from one cage into a cell, essentially. Oh, yeah, and oh, it is okay. terrifying. It is terrifying. It's more terrifying than just feeding them then. Yeah. Okay. And, like, we ran out the room, but then we heard the music change. Mm. And so we ran back in the room. My brother was, like, four or five, and it was just this really... My parents didn't watch it with us. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which I think was a mistake. Yeah. But we just, you know, we sat there... Eyes wide open, mouths dropped to the floor because it was dinosaurs and they looked yeah, real. Sure. And, 
you know, the video effects sort of play out okay now. Um, sort but of. at the time, it was amazing. Yes. And then, you know, we watched it again when we were six, like I was 16 and he was 13. And my brother realized, oh, the raptors are super intelligent and they're even making jokes. And if you've watched Jurassic Park, you know which joke it is. It's when he, the, the creature is uh, tapping its claw to a certain rhythm in the kitchen when it's after the children. Huh. And so it just ignited, you know, again, multi-nostalgia. We ha- Like when we were tiny little itty-bitty bright blonde kids to like kind of getting into adulthood. Uh-huh. And so I just, I, I love it. I Very love good. thinking about that. Very good. My fifth favorite is from 1987. It is the Monster Squad. Oh, yeah. A movie that I love, loved very much when I was in grade school, would reenact when I was in grade school, certain scenes. Just the idea of these monsters and kids fighting monsters or preteens and teens fighting monsters, classic monsters, not just gobbledygook monsters. It was one of the coolest things I had ever seen. It was a movie that my mom almost didn't let me see (laughs) because, A, it was one of my first PG-13 movies, and B, it kind of, you know, dabbled in the horror realm, and so she thought uh, I would run out of the room screaming, totally traumatized if I saw that film, and she couldn't have been more wrong. I absolutely loved it. It's not like showing... Uh, a six or seven year old saw or something like that you know what i mean Jeez, it was it was something fun <laughs> and really cool it was like the goonies but with universal monsters and it was okay. you know the raddest thing and i definitely have felt nostalgia for for that because of because of feelings i had as a kid watching it and and uh things i did as a fan of it watching it as a kid so there's the Monster Squad from 1987. My number four is Parenthood from 1989. Interesting. That's a nostalgic film for it you, huh? It is. It is. It, it rem- I watched it after high school uh-huh. when I knew nothing about parenting but was starting to think about, like, well, how did my parents' parenting style affect me? And watching this film, which is about... <laughs> four siblings of this family who are adults and ha- all have children of their own mm. and they're all raising their children differently mm. it and all the comedy that ensues from it mm-hmm. especially if you're just the objective person watching it it's such a, a wonderful film and what started to i we picked it to watch with everyone so we would have films we would watch by ourselves in our rooms. Uh-huh. But then this was one of those films where, okay, we're going to watch this as a family. Uh-huh. And we started quoting the film to each other. So my father mm. always says, you were a moody son of a bitch. And it was fine because, yes, we had just, I had just gotten out of being a teenager. My brother was on the tail end of it. And it was fair <laughs> that he was calling us this. Mm. And it was fine because, you know, we knew inevitably we were talking about the movie and how relatable it was. And that became our way of calling each other on our shit Mm. uh, was quoting movies and you know it just makes me think of my own family and it's a great film it it definitely hits the quality button nice so that is again parenthood from 1989 my fourth favorite is again from 1986 this one's available on hulu the wow. only the only Hulu pick this time, it is Big Trouble in Little China. Of course it is. <laughs> by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell and Victor Wong and several others. James Hahn. Uh, this is a film where a truck driver finds himself in the middle of some sort of mystical battle, uh, underground battle in uh, Chinatown, San Francisco. This is also a movie that was a big part of my childhood. It really sparked my imagination. I mean, you have you have characters who can like control lightning, you know, who have lightning powers, who have wind powers. You have a, a, a monster, and then you have various creatures actually underground in the sewers. You have some sort of a mystical ultimate bad guy 
who can shine, shoot light from his face. You know, it's just <laughs> extremely so bizarre. creative as a kid. It was just like one of the coolest things you could see as a kid. And it really sparked my imagination. I was really into to writing at the time. I know that much writing stories as a kid and in grade school. And so, you know, it just kind of added a lot of uh, fuel as a as a quasi creator and it was it was just really fun i love the film big trouble in little china from 1986 my fourth favorite nostalgia film all right shannon we're in our top three what is your third favorite nostalgia film my third is harry and the hendersons from 1987 almost made my list oh my gosh it's i i think i saw this when i was eight and it was one of those movies that played a lot on, it's not cable, it's like... Basic cable? Okay, sure. We'll go with basic cable. It, it played a lot. And then when South Africa got a free channel for everybody, and it didn't require any payment, oh. uh, it was on there. So I grew up with it in my early years, and then it, it, it had this resurgence in my teen years. Mm. And then when I got to Seattle, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> this looks familiar. Mm. And it's because they're in Seattle and around Seattle with this film. And, yes. and so it has this weird nostalgic feeling for, for me because not only is it reminding me of a time you know, most of my, my childhood, it's also reminding me of when I first got here mm. and what how magical it looked because I was coming from South Africa where a drought had been rampant for about a year, year and a half. Everything was dry, everything was dying. And then I came to Washington and everything was freaking green. Sure, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, you know, when we went to Mount St. Helens, and we were driving in a very dense green area. You know, the road was going very curvy and it was like, this is just like Harry and the Henderson. So it's, yeah. it's just beautiful and magical how, how, you know, nostalgic it is for me. Hmm. And I love John Lithgow. Mm -hmm. He's one of my favorite actors. Mm. And whenever he's a dad and he's dramatic about it, I love it. Mm. Very cool. So my third favorite is 1964's Mary Poppins on Disney+. Plus. <gasps> Yay! I, you know, I was trying to think, like, what Disney movies were. Mm -hmm. and, and largely my mind was trying to stay in the animated realm. But I realized, like, in my childhood, I think Mary Poppins was kind of, kind of it. Like, there wasn't a movie, hmm, I don't know. More prevalent, I guess, in my childhood, and more beloved from Disney than Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. You know, despite all the the, uh, the classics that had already been created, but I think this one was probably one of the ones that was uh, the most played. I think. I think also because my mom loved the movie. You know, she probably grew up with it too. Right? Yeah. She well, she was fourteen when it came out, but still, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, not you're not terribly wrong there, and it's 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 a you know beloved film for a lot of reasons. We've talked about it before. I think I even reviewed it on the Disney Through the Years feature on the blog too. So we talk pretty fondly about it. Yeah, I mean, how can you not really? Mm -hmm. But it was it, yeah. So I I think about that one when I think about like what what sort of movies came from that studio and that 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 I grew up with and was a part of my childhood and I that was that was one of them I think so Mary Poppins on Disney Plus was my third favorite nostalgia film all right Shannon what's your second favorite my second favorite is from 1988 it is Land Before Time also almost made my list <laughs> a big part of my childhood actually well, and I think a lot of Don Bluth's films are, like, do make you feel nostalgic, you know, not for a particular time, but, like, definitely from a personal perspective, like, because I feel like his movies are pretty honest 
It doesn't really hold back. Mm. I mean, Land Before Time, we have an orphan brontosaurus who watches his mother die mm. from a T-Rex. And it happens in the first, like, 15, 20 mm-hmm, minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's on this journey all by himself. I don't know how old he's supposed to represent. Well, he had hatched in the beginning of the movie. No, but I mean, like... On a mental level, like how old is he supposed to be? Is he supposed to be six? Is he supposed to be 10? You know, how do we relate to his age? Yeah, I think we're supposed to, as children, relate to him as a child. Not a baby because he has grown a bit before his mom dies, but still, yeah. Well, that's why I say mentally. Mm -hmm. It just makes me think, every time I hear the song, Mm. every time I watch it, I just am reminded of this time where my mother made a lot of things for us. And one of the things that she made us was this giant foam uh, puzzle that you could build a fort out of. You could build into a mattress. You could build as a castle. It was one of the most amazing things she made for us. And I remember specifically sitting, I had made a fort around me just of sponge and I remember feeling very cozy and you know very physically secure Mm. and watching this film that was absolutely terrifying Mm -hmm. at like age five and my brother with me as well and and he was sitting pretty still except for when he was bouncing to deal with the stress of the film and so I just think about us as little kids Mm -hmm. you know very very young kids watching this film just amazed because Mm -hmm. again dinosaurs yeah yeah Yeah. that's true yeah yeah that one and the secret of nim which i like i like less uh, also almost made my list in terms of nostalgia you know land before time was watched also screened also in in classrooms uh Mm -hmm. often in my childhood and i had a little foot and it was yeah Big thing. So, yes, oh gosh, uh, even I though... I would have oh, loved to have had a little foot on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though our childhoods were vastly different in terms of when uh, these things happened, uh, it was a big a big part of mine as well. So, mm-hmm. Back to the Future is my second favorite nostalgia film. I considered this one. It was an iconic film of the 80s, a big part of the 80s. The, the score, the soundtrack, we had the soundtrack on vinyl played uh, often in the household. The The film itself is nostalgic, actually. Also, one of, one of the movies I would have considered it had we gone that route with this list because it's looking back at the 50s. And when, when Marty McFly enters 1955 Hill Valley, it was very much this nostalgic crane shot of the time with i can't remember what girl group song is playing at the time when when in that scene but anyway it's also a very 80s film as well and i have felt nostalgia for for that film watching mm-hmm. it and the feelings that i got while watching it during the more thrilling parts with the score that, that accompanies it by alan silvestri one of his best oh, scores it's so good yeah so I, you know, there's there's a lot of other things that could be said about Back to the Future, heaping praise on it. But as far as nostalgia goes, it is uh, one of the top nostalgia films, uh, favorite films that gave me that feeling of nostalgia for a time. Jenna, what is your favorite nostalgia film? My absolutely favorite nostalgia film is Uncle Buck from 1989. Mm. Are you surprised? (laughs) No, no, I I am surprised. Well, there's others that I'm surprised aren't on your list, but go ahead. Talk about Uncle Buck. Um, The stars John Candy as Buck Russell and his brother is in need of a babysitter and he, you know, he's never around. He's kind of a slob, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't follow through with anything, can't mm-hmm. hold a job, but mm-hmm. he's a happy about a guy. <laughs> so. Mm. Uncle Buck comes and and looks after his uh, incredibly rebellious Mm -hmm. teenage niece and the younger niece and nephew. Yeah, Yeah. very precocious uh, nephew. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Played by Macaulay Culkin. Mm -hmm. And it just, the music, the... uh, Like, the opening score is just beautiful. I can Mm. hear it right now in my head. 
you know, when I was younger, it's also multi multi nostalgia. Like when I was younger, it was just really super fun. And I used to beg my parents, can't you make a flapjack that's as big as Uncle Buck's flapjack, which right, is right. called a pancake here. And it just, it always looked so magical. And I loved that Uncle Buck was there too. I never understood what was happening with the oldest daughter, but mm-hmm. I loved that Uncle Buck was there to protect her. Mm. And I understood that much. And I just absolutely loved that. And it was a good way to get my dad to sit down and stop working Mm. and just be present with the family and watch this film. Mm. Uh, He's an entrepreneur, so it's difficult to do that. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, it just got funnier and more kind of shocking Mm. (laughs) Mm. because you realize what's actually happening and that this teenage daughter is just really mad and angry and taking that anger and not doing healthy things with it. But it's great that uncle Buck is with her because I feel like they're kind of on, they can kind of see each other. They kind of relate to each other in that way. Mm. You know, they're both kind of dealing with emotions in an unhealthy way. And it's kind of a reset for uncle Buck. So I know I'm talking more about the film than the nostalgia, but I think the nostalgic part is like, okay, I knew that if this was the movie we picked for family night, my dad would not be multitasking. Mm -hmm. And so that that's, what's great about it. Awesome. So what's your number one? A movie that I expected on your list. Maybe it couldn't be, I'm not sure. Probably not. But it's Ghostbusters from 1984. Yeah. Available. Yeah, okay. Available on Hulu. Another film that is a big part of 80s childhood, uh, a huge part of 80s childhood. One of the first movies to scare me because <laughs> uh, you, was you know. Was it Slimer or no, was no, no, it no, no, Librarian? No. It's, no, no. You laugh about it, but uh, really, like, what people forget is there's actually truly terrifying moments with the terror dogs. Oh, yeah. Uh, living up to their name uh, as they are trying to possess. Lewis Tully and Dana Barrett. Barrett, thank you. Yeah, I, I would. I distinctly remember one time watching the movie and running around and hiding behind the couch when yeah. when the terror dog caught up to that Lewis Tully. That doesn't feel like a safe place. <laughs> I mean, when you consider how the terror dog got Dana. Well, I think that came after Lewis Tully's abduction. Mm-hmm. And it was Lewis Tolley's scene that I was speaking about when the terror dog catches up with him okay. that I, I ran. I distinctly remember that. And, you know, the, the, the movie in general was a huge part of, of 80s culture and 80s childhood. And it spun off a, a cartoon series that I was madly crazy about and had poster of and, and I had action figures from and. You know, I would watch as many of the episodes as I could, you know, as, as long as I was able to, because it was a Saturday morning thing. And sometimes Saturday morning cartoons would be interrupted by chores outside. But I, would, I was a huge fan of it, and I was a huge fan of the movie, and uh, wanted to love the, the sequel so much. We had the soundtrack also. Another one that yes. we had the vinyl soundtrack so for. Good. Played a lot. That, that soundtrack mm-hmm. got a lot of play. It might have even come up in our favorite soundtrack list, along mm-hmm. with the Back to the Future one, yeah. a few episodes back, several episodes back now. But anyway, so that is my favorite nostalgia film, a film that I have had nostalgia for while watching it, and I adore. It is available on Hulu. That is Ghostbusters. So, Shanna, was there any others you want to give a quick shout-out to that you considered or almost made the list, but you bumped off? Well, I bumped off Beetlejuice, and I could not have Terminator 2, Ghostbusters. I think there was another one from my favorites that I couldn't have. But that's the gist of it. Hmm. There was a lot of movies that I was considering. I don't I don't know. Like, I mentioned The Land Before Time. Mm-hmm. I mentioned a couple of your picks as they came along. Fly on the Navigator, actually, I'm surprised I didn't put on the list. That was a big one for me. I think Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, in particular, of the Superman movies. Mm. Because I, just, I distinctly remember Nuclear Man and thinking Nuclear Man was really cool when I was, like, five, six years old. I don't know if I would today, but my the secret of my success. I had feelings for Short Circuit, the man, uh, not the mannequin, mannequin, 
Dragnet, I think. Willow, I I think, was one Mm. also, which was, you know, a step above. Qualitatively, it's not. But in general, budget, production design, it was a step above Never Ending Story in terms of the fantasy filmmaking. And so that was kind of a big deal. Harry and the Henderson's Golden Child, the Eddie Murphy movie. I actually just thought of that one earlier, uh, thinking of Eddie Murphy saying, I, I, I want the knife. That that one occurred to me earlier this week. Uh, Inner Space, The Last Starfighter, Jewel of the Nile. I always liked the sequel, Jewel of the Nile, more than Romance in the Stone, for whatever reason. Crocodile Dundee 2 occurred to me, The Great Outdoors, if I didn't already mention that one, with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd was a big one mm. uh, for me. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, I love that one, yeah. When considering 90s movies, it's really more the early 90s. And so The Witches was in consideration. Oh, really? I, yeah, I think so. Because okay. I was a big Roald Dahl fan. And that was probably... And that one was pretty decent. One of my favorite Roald Dahl movies at that time. Uh, the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. And... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I For consider. me, it's a lot of Disney films, but I didn't want this to be a Disney list. Right. And so I just, you know, mostly took that away, yeah. except for, you know, one or two, Lady and the Tramp and Mary Poppins. And, you know, some of the films that you suggest- that you had on your list, I considered, like, Back to the Future mm-hmm. was definitely one. I'm glad that Ghostbusters made your number one because that would have made my number one. It mm. is the most nostalgic film for me. Mm. Um, I had imaginary friends that looked like Ghostbusters. Mm. So it really had a huge impact on me. And I can very quickly be thrown back to being five and saying to my mom, you forgot a sandwich for Ray. So... <laughs> You know, and I can, uh, you know, think of all the different ages I was when I would watch Ghostbusters over and over again. Mm. I also was trying to think of Star Trek, too, because that was a big Mm. part of my adolescence growing up. And I think I narrowed it down to Star Trek for the voyage home is the one that I would have probably felt nostalgic for much more than I think three. I was too young for and five. I wasn't a, as big a fan of <laughs> And then the other ones I got too old for. So anyway, um, those are the, film, the films that we have nostalgia for. What are the movies that you have nostalgia for? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. All right, Shanna, before we talk about the next episode and other changes coming to the podcast, why don't you share with people where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram, Shanna Paxton Photography, and on Flickchart, Spellbinding A. Go to thegibsonreview.com. Please check out my recent articles about the James Bond movies. I did a whole series of articles reviewing and ranking all the films and a concluding article finishing it all off where I ranked the best of the different elements of James Bond movies, as well as who was the best Bond and and who and what were the best films in the whole franchise. You know, if I were to recommend to somebody which movies to check out casually of the Bond films, you'll find my recommendations there at thegibsonreview.com. Join us on social media, facebook.com slash thegibsonreview and Instagram, the Gibson 99. I do bracket polls there. <laughs> we recently did your favorite James Bond movie to wrap up that whole series of things. I, I also asked you, like, what was, what was your picks for the best villain? What was your picks for the best Bond girl? All that sort of stuff. Your favorite James Bond movie was... Casino Royale from 2006 beat out Sean Connery's From Russia With Love, interestingly enough. Uh, Follow along. Keep an eye out for future polls on there. That's the Gibson 99 on Instagram. Now, the podcast, we have for the past six weeks been planning additional changes for the podcast as we try to adjust and make things easier with our work schedules make it possible for us to try to continue creating this podcast, which hopefully we will be able to do. And so what you will see is us 
making weekly episodes uh, after this episode. So you'll get uh, things parsed out and you'll get them in shorter bursts, but more regular basis. So first, the next episode will be the week in review episode. So we'll be talking about a variety of TV shows and movies that we have been catching up with or revisiting recently since we last had a week in review segment. That will be available on Tuesday, September 20th. And then the next episode after that will be our main event review. Don't worry, darling. That will be available on Tuesday, September 27th. And the next Film Faves episode will be counting down our favorite documentary. So we have genre spe- a couple of genre-specific episodes coming up in the next couple of months. Looking forward to that. Documentaries will be the first one. That will be on Tuesday, October 4th. So the first episode you'll next get is on the 20th, one week from the time that this episode is dropping. <laughs> but uh, I almost said when you know today, but uh, you may not be listening to this on the day that it drops. Anyway, until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.